to this special Father's Day episode, 2021. Now, you have heard me talk about Father's Day in previous years, but the importance of connecting to the people who have been father figures, if we don't have fathers who have been there for us, and or people who have been there as parent guardians and have helped guide us throughout our years. The importance being that although these do tend to be one-day holidays, we do often have them serve as reminders that really people are deserving of the appreciation the entire year. And tomorrow, which tomorrow is Father's Day, is going to be a most interesting Father's Day that has ever been seen, and I'll tell you why. People are excited to do something for their parent. They are excited to express a sense of appreciation for people who have gone out of their way to help rear them in their formidable years. And that is on the one side of the conversation. On the other side of the conversation, it will be a very painful Father's Day. Painful for the people who lost their loved ones last year amidst a most difficult year. And because many people had most disconcerting circumstances, they will go through trying to figure out what to do with the grief. In such On such days where the individual, the person, the nucleus of the family who used to be there on days such as Father's Day, is not there. It will be a difficult day for them. And so people who understand that will gather around and will help explain and help provide a level of support. But what is also important to note is that the reason we do continue holidays such as Father's Day, and that is tomorrow, and today we're celebrating for the first time ever Juneteenth at a national level. It used to be celebrated in different parts of the country already. But to be able to bring to the forefront celebratory moments where they haven't always meant the same thing to everyone, we have to be able to emphasize that Sharing the moments of positivity with people, even when not everyone is in that moment of being able to accept the cherished moments of positivity. Perhaps in the future, other holidays, the memories will be different. Meaning there will be more celebration. There will be new memories developed of bringing people together, of how and what it means to be able to appreciate the parent figures that people have been over the years. But before I digress into some of the depths of analysis that I sometimes go into, 
Let me tell you two things. One, which you might find particularly um, nuanced about me, and that is the most common anticipated gift to be given to a father this year is a gift card, a greeting card. And there are many fathers out there thinking, that's great if you get me a, a greeting card. But you got to think about going that little extra stretch, that extra mile, because this year is a most spectacular year. So try to consider beyond the greeting card. Now, if all you can do is the greeting card, that's perfectly fine, because if you have the ability to be able to put down the sentiment of the appreciation on a piece of paper or even send a message that says you how much you appreciate someone through any level of communication of your preference, then that I think has accomplished the true intention of what the day is about. Now, but the greeting card being sent is one of the biggest moments that one begins with. It goes the extra mile and goes extraordinary when people do something that perhaps is unexpected from the individual. Uh, creating new memories with uh, your parent is essential because those new memories are what become the conversation the rest of the year or the next year about, oh, remember what so-and-so did last year, how fascinating that was or how creative that was. They went out of their way to make sure I had a fantastic day on Father's Day. And so that's an example of how, now, if you just provided the greeting card, then it would go in the box of annual greeting cards that are received annually. Now, not that the box of annual greeting cards is not sentimental by any means. But the importance that I'm making this point for is, is sometimes it's those moments of a half an hour, an hour, uh, two hours of doing something extraordinary with the individual, which could be if they once talked about they wanted to participate in an activity that they hadn't done before. Perhaps it was wakeboarding, which you've heard me talk about before. That doesn't mean that that's one of my favorite hobbies. It's just, it seems to be quite popular. And so if that's something that they happen to have mentioned at one point in their life, or if they say, oh, I'd love to go parasailing. If it's possible, well, that makes sense because then that's a memory of an event, a participation in an activity that becomes a team effort to accomplish. If they say, I want to be able to hike five miles at a particular park, a national park or a state park. And so becoming part of that activity becomes the essential going out of your way to make a memory that will never be replicated, never duplicated, and you will have been a part of that. And the fact that you will have been a part of that means that you will forever be remembered in that particular year and activity. And in a moment when, when we return for the next segment, I'll tell you a little bit more about why it makes a difference how people celebrate and what they celebrate at what point in their lives.
after the break here on the Dewpoint Report with your host, Margarita. Interpretation by Jose Antonio Jiménez. You may be thinking, what is it about? Is it perfect to Father's Day? Well, the reason that I'm playing it is because Father's Day can often be accompanied by music. And so I've paused it now so that we can discuss the specifics of why I have an episode dedicated to Father's Day. Our Father's Day are celebrated in different ways, depending on how we were brought up and who the father figures are around us that we cherish and we appreciate and and we look to as father figures. And as such, though, it really is often accompanied by the different music selections that we grew up with over the years. And so whether you have accompaniment of music such as what I was just playing now, or if what you end up listening to is more of a ranchera, or if it's more of a son, or if it's a cumbia, or if it is jazz, or if it happens to be folk music, or if it's synthesized music, there's a plethora of choices. Obviously, I can go on with the different genres. But my point that I'm making is there often is in any gathering music in the background. Music in the background or even in the forefront. If people are musically inclined in the family, then it is truly what makes the event a gathering. And what has been fascinating over the last year and many of the changes that have occurred in the way that we have tended to socialize as a result of many of the precautions and and, uh, restrictions and such is in some areas, such gatherings for music and, and things like this have been paused for good reason. But then now as things begin to open back up again, people really start to think, where would they go and what kind of music would they want to listen to if they were going to go to a place? And that is what people have been really yearning for are the concerts that they want to be able to go to. In fact, when Bruce Springsteen was really thinking about the music that he's been providing, because he's been singing for many decades, Bruce Springsteen has. Well, he pivoted during the pandemic over the last year, and he really focused not only on his singing, obviously, to keep his singing in tune and his skill sharp, but he also had his own podcast or has his own podcast that he continued to share his skill sets with. And so it's so important to be able to see that, yes, the world was going through and has continued to go through something so complex. Yet, however, many people within the talent that they understand that they have, have been able to find new skills. And so that is an example of what Bruce Springsteen has done. If I give you another example, it would be John Bon Jovi and how years ago when he moved into a new skill set, he began 
a series of restaurants that focused on uplifting communities that were in need in impoverished areas and how he was able to help communities in need. And he pivoted that way, even though his skill set, his strong skill set is singing. And that is really how he has made a name for himself. He was able to share his talent in different ways. And so I can give other examples as well and go on. But the point that I'm making is many people look up to different people as role models in their lives. And it doesn't always have to be somebody that is a genetically connected relative. It can often sometimes be someone who has really been a mentor that has helped rear an individual. Rear meaning help inculcate knowledge and help make somebody stronger and more knowledgeable about something in their more formidable years. And that is a really important acknowledgement to be able to say, wow, there's really an appreciation for some of the really positive things that have gone on in the world. And I wanted to share with you a personal introspective, which I'd love to get some feedback if anyone's out there at the moment listening, you're welcome to call on in. I'm going to share with you something that I put together. And then I'll talk about it. What it means and really why it was created. Whose daughter am I? Someday I will know. Whose daughter I am? They say his name. They share the story. I still know whose daughter I am, whose daughter I am. Whose daughter I was? Whose daughter I was? Whose daughter I was? 
that was the day The day upon I knew Whose daughter I was And so in a moment when we return from this brief break, I will talk a little bit more about that song and what it means in context of when it was written, why it was written, and answer any questions that might show up here on the Dew Point Report, the Digital Electronic World Point Report. You're listening with your host, Margarita. Ah, yes. And welcome back to the Dew Point Report, the Digital Electronic World Point Report, where we do often discuss the duality of living in a digital world and balancing that with our tactile reality. And so in today's episode, I am dedicating this to the celebration of Father's Day and what that means. And previously, I shared with you the Whose Daughter Am I song, which to some might have been a bit of a, what is that all about? So let me explain. It has to do with when a person, and yes, this is from my own experience, when a person has knowledge that they are someone's daughter, but they never met that person, so they don't really know who the person was other than through the stories about the person. And so it doesn't mean that you don't grow up having father figures or people who help be part of your upbringing. And they could be siblings or family members, but the point is, and sometimes community members, but the point is that when a song of this depth is needed is um, a variety of moments in, at a variety of moments in time where one really has to contemplate the depth of one's connection to a parent. And in this particular instance, it was daughter to father connection. And so you're asking probably why and when was it written? The why has been answered, but when was it written? I wrote it after much thought as to what my perspective would be in who I would want to reach out to uh, in terms of when everything was happening with what the world was becoming aware of had occurred with George Floyd. And though so much has transpired since then, I wrote that song specifically for the daughter of George Floyd. And many might be perplexed by that. Like, why write such a song for a young lady who is going to learn a lot about her father and, and what his life was about? Particularly because the world has really resounded in an effort to ensure that his name never goes silent. And so I wrote it, and I will say this, 
I wrote it because I really do believe that anyone who never grows up knowing their parent through their adult years has that yearning of understanding what would they have been like in the adult years? What would those experiences have been like? Because it's one thing to never know a father and only know father figures. It's another thing to know a father through some of the young formidable years and then still go through the rest of your life experiencing life with new experiences and truly wanting to find those connections. Now, yeah, there, there often are family members or relatives that help us connect and make those connections that are very important in our ability to understand what we are tied to, what we are connected to, not only genetically, but really traditionally. And that's why when I was talking about what does your Father's Day sound like, there's often a soundtrack in every one of our experiences because we know what the music is that is tied to a particular year. We know what the music is that is a particular experience. And we can always connect that back to a decade. And, and so I say that because even in one of the songs that I was about to play in a later segment, it's going to reflect some of the very instruments that my father was said to have played. And so it's very interesting. To me, those are stories. They're a perspective of someone else because, you see, I never met him. And so I don't know really what he actually would have sounded like. And in previous episodes, I have discussed the anomaly that it is to try to actually figure out what would his voice have been like. Because when you don't actually know what a, um, a person that you truly are genetically connected to never actually sounded like, but you have the understanding that you probably have an inclination and you probably have some similarity to him obviously, for obvious reasons. And so it has to be understood that either way, you are connected to something that you may not ever have understood or will ever understand. And so it, it is a much deeper song than the lyrics themselves present themselves to be. And some of you might be thinking, oh my gosh, overthinking this, overthinking this. But in truth, and I never actually have sent this to, obviously, the the family of George Floyd, but I truly did write it for the daughter of, because that was the sentiment that I had at the moment when the world was opening an understanding of what had occurred, what was occurring, and as everything began unfolding throughout the investigation and then the conclusion of the trial, it was interesting the depth to which society became aware of how much every single person who had even heard the name from the very first day to the day that the jury made its decision had a different perspective from what had originally been understood 
because there had been so much information shared and talked about the occurrences that it really allowed a lot of people to mature in the understanding of what it means to ask for justice. And in that request for parity, it really resounded, not just throughout our country in the United States, but it could be seen throughout the world when other people in other countries were also talking about the need for the same kind of understanding of what it means to have a just system throughout the entire process that one might go through in different circumstances. And so when I wrote it, it was in the perspective of what would a young lady be thinking if they didn't know fully what their parent was like throughout their adult years? And what would they have been asking themselves? So it isn't that I don't know who my father is. I know who he is on paper. I don't know who he is as a person. I never did. So there are two different dichotomies. There's one dichotomy there that splits the two truths. The one where I know because I know who the person is by virtue of the name and the paper and the genetic connection, but I don't know because I never actually met them. So there's no way to trust then verify except to be able to trust then verify. Because if you first learn the information and you don't believe it, then you're never going to believe it. But to be able to verify it, even if you don't believe it, you will never have believed it. So you have to be able to still verify what you are trying to trust about your surroundings and what you believe is to be true. Yes, everyone's going to have a perspective and sometimes that perspective is going to be different. And the point that I make in the lyric when I say, at the point upon which where I know, then I will have known. See, because by the time I know, then it's really understood that I already have known. Because I will never truly know until I actually know. And therein is the challenge. And let me explain this. Many of you have heard me speak of the possibilities of quantum leaping and the science of quantum dynamics and S-theory and how the possibilities of people going in and out of different points in time through layers of realities, but really more so that it actually can be mirrored in truth more than it actually can be verified in truth. And so when I speak of that, some people just go, what is that all about? But if you look at the Higgs boson, and if you look at what some of the atom splitting mechanisms and methodologies that have truly created science that was never thought to have been possible, you really have to think some things that people think are not possible actually at times become possible. And as I was explaining to someone the other day, in this very podcast, when I have something to say and I share it, at the moment upon which I am recording this, if someone is listening, fantastic. If they are not listening, I'm not upset by that. Because I know that at the moment upon which 
they listen to it or you listen to it because you're listening to it right now, that is the moment in which it is your truth. Because at this moment that I am recording this, it is my truth that I'm sharing. And so when you're listening to it, it has then leapt into that moment in time where you are. And it could be a very different moment in time than where I am at this point. And that is an example, in my view, of what someone can see as a quantum leap, because you are listening to something in the future that actually happened in the past. And then at the moment upon which you turn that off, what you're listening to, it no longer exists in your truth except for what you're willing to accept. And what you accept and then you begin to verify changes your world. It changes your world the way that someone who has jumped through time and has entered a new paradigm begins to shift the very truths upon which they then exist. And that is why sometimes when I have these fantastic moments of sharing, some people actually have given me feedback that, and they say, oh, you've got to stop talking about that. It just doesn't make sense. Well, a lot of things don't make sense to a lot of people, but they actually are uh, quite uh, necessary or truthful. And it's just a matter of moments where once it does become something that someone begins to believe in, then it makes sense. Because often what people fear is what they don't understand, even though they shouldn't really fear what they don't understand. They should more be curious and try to learn more about it. Because once you learn about something, you then have the knowledge and the depth and the drive and determination to be able to have it fill your mind. Because in truth, we only actually use 10% of our brain. Imagine if we used a little bit more, how much more our synapses would begin to connect and how much more we'd be able to do with all of that, which encompasses our plethora of understanding. So you're thinking, of course, what does this have to do with Father's Day? Any of our parents, our fathers, our mothers, our parents, sometimes we have parents who are the same gender, uh, we, we know that we are part of a family. And these parents rear us. They upbring us. They inculcate knowledge in our most formidable years. And what happens is, because of what they teach us when we are children, we become the strength that we are at the age of our most important years. And so if we have the type of parents that spend the time with us to be able to give us the strength and the knowledge necessary to survive what is necessary, Necessary to survive in the futures of our future, then we become as strong as possible and many times leaders that can lead others. And that is therein the challenge. How do we find that moment to be able to say, whoa, stop one moment, 10 seconds, think about it. And in those 10 seconds, what is it that makes me, you, us so unique yet so similar and so when we talk about living in the 21st century we can't possibly go back to a living or an understanding that had no connectivity to anything around because even if we try that somehow something ties us back to something else and connects us to the very world that we need to be a part of
because whether we believe it or not, we are connected in a much deeper fashion than we ever have been. And even if and even when people decide they want to go off grid, they don't want to survive off of the big superpower electricities. They don't want to survive off the big superpower water companies. At one point or another, they do participate in the very services and the very programs that they have at moments said that they don't want to be a part of. And it's not because they don't, they don't want to participate in them. It's because they do realize the importance that the services play in their lives. And it is in that realization that they come to the understanding that they might have a strong opinion about something. And they might want to not be connected. But there are many people who would love to see them survive for the strength of their strength and their knowledge of their knowledge because of the very fact that we are all connected as humans, even through the knowledge of our knowledge. And you can't leave even the people that are off-grid behind because they then, in and of themselves, have an important knowledge of how to survive without certain levels of connectivity. And the, the example I gave about water and some people who don't want to utilize the big water service companies, they want to use just rain drip systems for their water, utilize that because it's very environmentally friendly. But in truth, if if everything was connected to the larger water system, then it would all run within the same grid and there would be less interruption of service because there would be an understanding of everyone being on the same water supply. And then because if everyone was on the same water supply, there would be an understanding of how to get to people when people needed to be reached in an emergency. Because the difficulty is that when people go off grid, if they cannot be found when they need help, they still need help. And the people that are the ones that run in to assist in an emergency, they will go in and assist in an emergency. And this is what actually has been proven time and time again, year after year and decade after decade, that it is the individuals that drop everything and show up at the moment upon which where someone needs assistance that five years later that person who received the help and their life was saved is thanking that individual and it could well have been that the very person that was saved was someone who didn't necessarily believe in the connectivity of the electric grid or the connectivity of water supply but that meant nothing to the people that were helping them at the moment because the people that were helping to keep them alive if they were in an emergency, their focus was to keep them alive. And the point that I'm making, you're probably wondering, what does that have to do with the price of eggs anywhere in the world? It has everything to do with the fact that one thing is connected to another. And I've said that before. You can't just presume that one person's opinion can be disregarded over another's and that only people in their own sections of the world can exist in their own sections of the world. And 
Although many might think celebrations such as Father's Day are just for the United States, just to make money for some companies, just to advertise certain things. Well, let's be realistic. We all have a parent. We all have someone who helped bring us into this world. Whether they were there for us every day or not, we are here in this world because we have parents. I know genetically in the 21st century that will look a little differently on how that actually comes to fruition because science is advancing in such a way that it is that a lot of different ways to be able to bring somebody to life may be possible. But I'm not going to talk about that at this moment. I'm going to talk about the traditional having a parent concept. And I've already said how untraditional it can be to have maybe just one parent. And then what happens when the other parent is not there? Well, nonetheless, celebrating the people who are the figure of that particular symbol of responsibility. So if we didn't have a father that showed up every day that we could call, hey, dad, well, that's just fine. Because we certainly did probably have an individual who was there for us, who helped us make sure we got to school, who helped us make sure we got our homework done, who helped us make sure we got to the library when we needed to, or who helped us make sure that if we were going to be safe to get somewhere, that we did get somewhere and we got there safely. And so there are different examples of people who look out for us in a way that is so positive. Sometimes we tend to overlook those things. Even if someone just says, is everything okay? Even if someone just says, hey, do you need somebody to walk with you today? So that it stays as a buddy system as opposed to just letting somebody walk alone. Those are just very important examples. And when somebody asks, hey, is everything okay? It's so essential. It's essential to know that someone is there. Someone is there that you can actually answer that question to. And on that I end today, because Father's Day should be celebrated, and if you disagree, well then disagree. And I appreciate that you listened, and it's okay to disagree. We'll just agree on that, shall we? And uh, listen in on another episode, and perhaps uh, you'll enjoy uh, that particular subject matter a little more. Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day, everyone. This is Margarita, your host, here on the Dewpoint Report, the Digital Electronic World Point Report, the digitality and the tactile experience that we live every day.